0: Welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast, exploring authentic Christianity for normal people. My name is Dave Betts and together with my wife Sherea, we're going to explore all the things that make our faith what it is. From looking at the big picture of the Bible to exploring the tough questions that might be getting in the way of your relationship with God.
1: We're not going to use unnecessarily churchy language and we're not pretending that we have all the answers. And the best bit. We'll never take more than 30 minutes of your time each week. We want to keep it simple and hopefully have some fun along the way. Thanks for joining us.
0: On this week's episode of the Simple Faith Podcast, we're talking all about performance culture in the church. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Simple Faith Podcast podcast. We are excited to be beaming to your headphones or your speakers, wherever you are in the world. And we feel honored and privileged that we can say that, that we are uh, speaking to our friends, uh, to you guys around the world uh, as we speak. that's really awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate that so much. Uh, We're actually coming off the back of three Rather intense episodes, aren't we, Shereya?
1: Yeah. So for the last three weeks, we have been talking um, about the church and LGBT. And so, yeah, they're a little bit more of a serious episode because we just wanted to give it the time um, and attention that it it deserved. So now we are going back to our original structure, which is kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, it's a bit more relaxed, which is a good thing. Um, I also want to say thank you so much for the overwhelmingly positive feedback from what were some really intense episodes. We we are so grateful for that because it's hard sometimes uh, standing up for what the Bible says. And so to have support like we've had is really encouraging. So thank you for that. Yeah, uh, We are going to be talking about performance culture in the church, uh, which is going to be hopefully fun and hopefully more relaxed. Um, maybe for a few of you, a little convicting. I hope not though. Before we talk about performance culture, I want to talk about Uh, A fun story that I saw in uh, the Huffington Post the other day Uh, is this. New Wisconsin justice sworn in during a 100-mile ultramarathon. What? It's ridiculous. Jill Karofsky, I take my hat off to you. She took her oath of office on Sunday at the 35-mile marker of the route. And she completed her run in 34 hours. That's ridiculous. So for those of you who think in terms of kilometers... That's 161 kilometers that she ran. Now, put that into context. I've been a bit of a couch potato since uh, COVID-19 began. And I ran four kilometers and was really proud of myself this morning. That's, I mean, and, and, and to be fair, four kilometers is low, even for me and my low fitness. But wow, 100 miles.
1: That's insane. Like, I can't even, how many marathons is that? That must be like three, at well, least. pretty
0: much, It's close to four, isn't it? Because it's 26 miles yeah. for a marathon. It's madness, but well done, Jill Karofsky.
1: Yeah, good job. I'm sure
0: you listen to this podcast, (laughs) but that's great. What an incredible performance. Speaking of performance segue time. um, Good job. Let's cue the music. And after this short break, we are going to talk about performance culture in the church. So see you in a second.
1: So we are going to be talking about performance culture in the church. And I don't know what you guys think of when you hear that as listeners, but Dave, what do you mean by performance culture?
0: Well, it's we live in this interesting time where there is so much digital access to preachers around the world. And then we see successful preachers and we want to copy them, or we see successful worship teams and want to copy them. And uh, with the rise of... YouTube and uh, what was Christian rock and now Christian pop and all that stuff, we see this rise of this sense of performance culture, this sense that you need to look a certain way, you need to speak a certain way or act a certain way. And we've seen that rise, uh, not just in, in the mega churches, but in the smaller churches as well. There are symptoms of performance culture and we can, we can talk about that. And then we'll talk about why that's a problem in the next few minutes. Uh, Shreya, have you ever come across performance culture?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of that feeling of, of going to a church because of, you know, who's speaking or who is in the band or, you know, like, which aren't bad things. It's great if you go to a church where you, you love the person who's speaking and um, you love going for the music and stuff. But I think if it becomes about those people more than it becomes going because you want to worship Jesus and learn more about God, then that's probably a problem.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Let's Let's talk about some symptoms of performance culture. And this is all personal preference. Uh, And so I want to be clear about that. And I apologize if it sounds like I'm griping, but some of this is tongue in cheek and some of it is with a real heart to see the church functioning as we've been called to to function in. So if you've ever been to a church where you know what the worship team is going to dress like or you know exactly what the worship leader is going to wear, or you know what the senior pastor is going to wear. You know, there's been times where it was always going to be a blazer and recently it's been turtlenecks or it's big thick glasses that maybe don't have any frames in. Or you know how the the preacher is going to hold the microphone or you know that they're going to try and prove just how smart they are or how cool they are or, you know, there'll be social media influences or maybe you uh, have seen a church where they'll sing songs because, because they are new, uh, even though the content is kind of empty and weird and maybe not even theologically accurate. Um, If you can't tell the difference between a worship concert and a rock concert, uh, I I can tell you, I watched a video the other day where, honestly, if if I had not listened to the lyrics, there was no way I could have told uh, what the difference was between the two. And I'm not going to name anyone or anything like that. If you felt like there's a certain dress code or a certain demographic or you haven't felt welcome, or you haven't been given opportunities. You know, there's this cult of hero pastor where everything revolves around one or two people and uh, everyone else sits in the crowd and listens. And I use the word crowd very deliberately uh, rather than congregation. And then your job is to then go home or, you know, serve coffee or whatever while the heroes do their thing. Well, you might be a church that is suffering from the symptoms of performance culture. Maybe if you go to a place and... You see the lights flashing, you see the music pumping, but you don't hear um, the proclamation of Jesus, the declaring of the good news of Jesus. You might be in a church that suffers from the symptoms of performance culture or as uh, Sharia said, you know, if you're, you're going to a place where it's all about the leaders and there is no sense of community or togetherness or family, or well, maybe you're suffering from the symptoms of performance culture. So there's two things I want to talk about before we go to the break, if that's okay, Sherea. Yeah, for sure. Sherea has been very kind to let me rant a little bit. <laughs> there's two things. First of all, I think we need to nix the word pastor as a uh, title. I think as a as a job, I think it's really helpful, but as a title, it's not. Let me explain a little bit. I don't ever want to be called Pastor Dave, even if I am a pastor, uh, that's irrelevant. I don't think you should be called Pastor Stephen or Pastor Andy or Pastor Tim. And I'm trying to be very careful not to <laughs> specifically point out it's friends no of mine know. as well. Uh, I don't think that should happen. And here's, here's why. It's a role. You know, I'm. if I was a teacher, I wouldn't want people to call me Teacher Dave. Uh, uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. And there's, there's a reason for this as well. Uh, biblically... The word that is translated as pastor in the Bible is the Greek word for shepherd, right? That appears 17 times in the New Testament, and only one time is it translated as pastor. And that's in Ephesians 4.11, where it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, okay? But here's what's really interesting about that. Why is it translated as pastor? Who knows? It's basically the Latin word for shepherd. So so we instead of saying shepherd, we get a Latin word for, uh, for shepherd, which is pastor. So essentially, it's just a shepherd. So I'd rather people call them Shepherd Dave or <laughs> Shepherd Tim, Shepherd <laughs> yeah. Andy. But no one's going to do that. What it ends up doing is putting people on pedestals that they shouldn't be on. Uh, now, my, uh, my role, I can be a pastor. I could be Dave Betts, the pastor of such and such church. But, but to call me Pastor Dave, I think is weird. And here is why I think the problem uh, is really important. It, it makes people want to serve the pastor. Now we should honor our leaders, absolutely. But Jesus said that even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We're called to serve people. We're called to be servants. Now That doesn't mean that we're walked all over by people. That doesn't mean that our congregation dictates how we lead. But we're called to be servants, not to be uh, put up on a pedestal, not to be uh, celebrated as the fount of wisdom. We are just servants of Jesus like everyone else in our congregation. And I think we miss the mark when we elevate the word pastor too so much. Okay, so that's my that's my little um, pitch to you to say that maybe we, we shouldn't use the word pastor. Maybe we strayed a little bit there. Uh, but I also want to talk about another reason. I think... We are, I'm a millennial and I grew up, actually got saved in a performance culture environment. And for me, as a musician who wanted to make it big time, that was a really good thing. But we live in a world where Generation Z, which is, you know, 1996 to 2010. So people who are basically 10 to 24 now, uh, they're not interested in performance culture. In fact, one of the reasons we started this podcast and called it Authentic Christianity for Normal People is because we had more and more and more conversations with Gen Z people who, who just didn't care about this performance culture, didn't care about this sense that you had to look and act a certain way. You know, they've grown up through enormous societal change from 9-11 to uh, the, the wars, and now they're living in coronavirus times. They're more digitally connected than they have ever been, and they want more than ever to make a, a difference in the world, and here's the thing, they're looking for authenticity when we researched this podcast, the people we talked to all said the same thing. They wanted to see authentic people. They wanted to see authentic churches. They didn't want to see a performance. If they wanted to see a performance, they could just Google one and they could see a much better performance than their church at home. They wanted to see connection. Now, we live in this digitally connected but socially disconnected world. So surely performance has got to be way at the bottom of the pile excellence or professionalism. We've got to send that stuff way down. People are okay with messiness. And I'm realizing, we're realizing, even as, as church planters, people don't care about the messiness of church. They care about the connectedness of church. They don't care about the professionalism. They care about the connections.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I mean it's so easy to go to church and, and wanna kinda perform, to to put on a good face and to do everything perfectly and and uh, be impressive but we're missing out on that genuine relationship and that genuine connection when we do that and I think that that's so important.
0: Yeah, and hear us on this. You can you can have a high performing church and still still be deeply focused on Jesus and deeply focused on the gospel and all that stuff. But in my experience it's kind of rare. You know, here's another example, just a real quick one before we we go to the next section. You know, giving people gifts when they arrive at church. you know, Giving them a gift to say, well done for coming. That to me feels wrong. You know, I, I, there's more and more churches giving out give, goodie bags and stuff. And they're saying they're seeing results and that's great. But I want the reason that people come to church to be Jesus. Not a reward, not a Starbucks card. Yeah. That's really hard for me. Uh, now, again, if that's working for you, you do you. I think for us, that's really hard though. That sense of... <laughs> anything that anything other than Jesus feels wrong to be an incentive to get people to church it just feels kind of performancy and if that's you please do try and change our minds you know we we would be happy to hear and happy to learn um, and we want to love anyone that chooses to do ministry different from us Uh, this is just our opinion and we're just having a conversation about this today so maybe we should go to the next section and talk about what we think church should look like
1: yep definitely Um,
0: Okay, so we talked a little bit about what performance culture looks like in the church. Let's—that's not a good way to end a podcast. We don't want to do that. We want to paint a picture of what uh, the church should look like, what we believe the church should look like biblically. Let's let's talk about that. Let's paint a picture.
1: Yeah, I think for me. As Christians, we're called to love God and love people. And so church is a great place to be able to do both of those things, which is awesome. So, I mean, there's never going to be a perfect church and every church is going to do it differently and they should because you want to reach different people and, and people are drawn to different things. But ultimately, I think it's a community of people who love Jesus and and want to encourage each other and, and build each other up and learn more about who God is. And yeah, I don't know. What would you add?
0: Yeah, I think that's good. I think, you know, in Acts chapter two, we see the early church and they're devoted to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I think those things are really valuable. You know, let's be devoted to the Bible. Let's be devoted to, uh, to prayer and to, to fellowship, to doing life with each other. Those things are way more important than putting on a rock concert. You know, they, they just are. Uh, breaking of bread, let's have communion together. It's about being a family. It's not about formalities. It's about community. Uh, it's not about a concert. I think we can just, we can miss the mark sometimes by thinking that the community side of things is secondary. The Sunday show is very much secondary to a, a lifetime doing life in worshipful obedience to Jesus together. That, that would be, That's what I think.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And yeah, that relational aspect is, is so important because when when you leave the church, you don't leave the church. You're still part of the church um, and you want to be able to do life with those people and continue to to go through your days knowing that you can talk to people about what you're struggling with and you can go to someone's house and pray with them and uh, you can worship Jesus throughout the week and then come together all together on a Sunday and do it together and that's that's awesome. That's great.
0: Yeah, I just think... If you're, if you're a pastor listening to this, then don't be something that you're not. Don't feel like you have to dress a certain way or look a certain way or speak a certain way or hold your microphone a certain way. Just be yourself. Just be who God has made you to be. Uh, and you know what? I would encourage you, if you're a pastor or, or, or anyone else listening to this, find opportunities for other people to to use their gifts for Jesus. Find opportunities for other people to share what God is saying to them. It doesn't need to be just you. If you're in the congregation, if you are someone who goes to church, however old you are, whether you're 11 right now listening to this, or you're 111 listening to this, church works best when we are doing church together, when we are worshiping together. Um, you know, In 1 Corinthians 14, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it talks about uh, when you come together, each one of you has like a psalm or a hymn or or uh, I think a spiritual song. I forget the, the passage. It's worth looking at because it's awesome. But you know, I, we saw that working so well in a, a church in the UK called Ascot Life Church, where they encouraged their congregation to contribute. Now there's risks with that. There's risks that you get someone saying something that's unbiblical, but there's stunning beauty in it. When you hear someone sharing something that God has put on their heart, someone sharing a testimony of what God is doing in their life, someone sharing a prayer request and being brought to tears by the goodness of God in their lives. Sometimes we don't make enough room for that. We make it all about two or three people who are leading from the stage. And I think that's tragic. Church has to be more than that. Church is a body of believers. And, you know, you can speak in much more ways than just having one mouthpiece. I would, I would encourage you to Get back to the basics of church. I think we've got to this place where we want to be professional and we want to be this kind of corporate entity. Now, don't get me wrong. Doing our best is important. Doing our best is vital. We want to give our best to God. But our best doesn't always look the same. It doesn't always look like singing a song with backing tracks and flashing lights. It might look like an old keyboard and an old song and a heart fully turned over to God and that's that's beautiful. I think sometimes we get this wrong idea about numbers, about uh, songs, about the style of preaching. Guys, we just need to we need to simplify things. We need to get back to the basics of church.
1: Yeah. We sometimes as the congregation, I guess, put so much expectation on our leaders to perform or to I don't know, just the excellence that they bring and and yet we then sometimes forget that we we, as followers of Jesus, have the Holy Spirit just as much as them. And we can be contributing and, and using our gifts at church. And, and that's when it seems to function the best, I think.
0: Yeah. Amen. That's a really, uh, really well said statement. That's great. So I wonder if you've ever been a, a part of performance culture, if you fell foul to performance culture. I know how I, ha- I have. You know, when I got saved, I, I fell terribly into performance culture. Because I was a new believer who hardly knew anything about God, but loved the fact that I got to play my electric guitar on stage as uh, you know, a professional musician. I loved that. And then we got to go on tours and things like that. And, and that was, it was great uh, for me because I got to do the thing I loved. And, and to be honest, I think it distracted from my relationship with God. And it took a long time before my identity was Dave, the follower of Jesus, the servant of Jesus, and not Dave the part of such and such a team, or Dave, the electric guitarist. And that's, that's a really important thing. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll ask that question. If your identity is in anything other than Jesus, you know, maybe it's, if you would if say that your identity is in being a preacher or being a worship leader or a singer or a keyboard player, or even that guy who serves coffee the best in the world, maybe, maybe you're missing something. Our identity Our identity in a performance culture-free world. Our identity is just simply in being sons and daughters of the King of Kings, children of God, servants of Jesus. That's enough. That's enough. So that's the end of our little conversation, maybe a slightly winding, uh, rambly conversation on performance culture. I hope you found it helpful. You know, we want to try and bring these conversations down to earth a little bit. You know, the last few weeks were a bit more intense theologically. And we had to cover a lot of things, but we just want to have conversations. We want to, we want this to be normal and authentic. You know, we know that Gen Z wants authenticity more than ever. And you know what? Millennials do too. And I'm sure if you're older too, I'm sure you're not going to complain about people being authentic and real. So that's all we have to say for this week. Um, In the next section, I can't wait to share one of the most embarrassing stories of my entire life.
1: If you have any questions or comments um, or feedback for us, we would really love to hear from you. So you can get in touch with us through our Facebook or our Instagram. Just type in at Simple Faith Podcast or through our website, which is simplefaithpodcast.com. We genuinely love hearing from you guys. We want to hear your feedback and your thoughts. Um, So get in touch with us. We would love that. Anyways, in this section, we usually do a game or some kind of fun activity, Uh, but today we are going to do story time with Dave. He promoted this section as his most embarrassing story, so I'm excited about this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay. I want to talk about a time where performance culture maybe got the best of me. Uh, It was 2008. It (laughs) makes me feel old. It was (laughs) December 21st, 2008. I still remember it vividly. Uh, I was in a um, kind of a a traveling worship team, shall we say. I was a brand new believer and I'd kind of fallen into this uh, great group of guys and we were uh, leading worship all over the place. We'd had a really great year. I mean, I got saved and uh, we had opportunities to go on uh, a short tour and we had a tour to Lithuania coming up. So we were really excited. It was the last time we were playing in the year. And um, I had this kind of trick that I used to do, which was like a guitar swing. And I think I maybe only pulled it off once or twice, but Anyway, what that means is I would throw the guitar and it would spin around my back and then back into my, uh, kind of into my front where I could carry on playing again. And you had to get a few things right. You had to step over the guitar lead to make sure it didn't wrap up around you and you had to make sure you weren't near anything. And I wasn't planning to do one on December the 21st, 2008. I didn't have that in my mind. But we were playing and we were playing our last song and this was in a church during a worship time. And Stuart, the other guitarist, looks at me And he he mouths, do a guitar swing. And I was pretty full of adrenaline and excited and maybe a little bit hyped up on my own ego. And uh, we get to the bridge of the song and the moment is coming up. And I launch the guitar uh, and it goes round my shoulder. It smashes and I mean smashes into a metal girder (laughs) just above my head. It then drops down behind my neck, uh, but I didn't step over the guitar cable, so it wrapped me up as well and it got stuck. So my guitar, the head of my guitar literally smashed. Uh, It it was wrapped around me and I couldn't move. So for the rest of that song, in front of about 300 people, (laughs) I had to just stand there trapped and unable to move. Now at the same time, Uh, My friend, Stuart, who was playing the other guitar, he did a a guitar swing as well. He swung his guitar around. He hit a light. So there's a light (laughs) that's been displaced. And uh, he's, but he's managed to get his guitar horribly out of tune. And he managed to play to the end. And, you know, to this day, very few people mention that. It was one of the most humiliating things that I've ever experienced. Um, But we went to a conference in the following January. And just to make sure I didn't have any fear of doing it, I did a guitar swing. I did a guitar swing again and I pulled it off wow. with my guitar that had just been fixed. But anyway, <laughs> I don't recommend that. I think in a church context, I think maybe I'd got a little bit into this whole performance culture type thing. But I just wanted to say that, just to share that, to say, you know what, it happens to all of us. And I could probably give you a hundred stories of me getting caught up in this culture of performance over uh, worship. Or, or at least performance in the name of worship, and maybe straying a little bit. Shreya, I don't think you have any stories, do you? Because you're no, pretty
1: perfect. I I'm perfect, and I never embarrass myself. So <laughs> I clearly have no stories. No, I didn't um, say
0: you didn't. You never embarrass yourself. <laughs> I <said> you... <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I don't. So no, I embarrass myself all the time. Um, too many stories to tell, probably. But um, just come hang out with me, and I'm sure you'll get one out of me. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. Well, we are done for this week's episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our maybe more lighthearted than previous week <laughs> yeah. episodes. Uh, maybe you didn't. And then that's okay. Let us know. We we just want to know what's going to be a blessing to you. If you have any ideas for what you want us to, to talk about, we've had a few messages and we have added those into the pipeline. Um, you might remember from episode one, if you're avid listeners, that we have about 170 episodes planned, but we are open to shifting and changing and all that stuff. So that's us for this week. Have an amazing week. Uh, God bless. Speak to you soon.
1: Bye.